Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. Pastor James is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon. I do want us to know, everybody, it goes without saying, but I got to say it anyway. I mean, no, we need to vote in this election. This is a critical time in our nation's history, and uh, there's a lot on the line, I don't have to say. So just encourage all of us to, we have that incredible right that much of the world does not have, and the, the, the right to choose our leaders. So be prayerful about that, and we'll trust God for the outcome. Amen? Amen. Even if it doesn't go according to our plan, it's always according to His plan. And we know He's doing something good. On behalf of all the pastors, we want to, from the depths of our heart, thank you for Pastors Appreciation Month. All the cards and gifts, you, we, you just blessed us. We definitely feel appreciated. Bless God. Thank you. Getting back to our series entitled 356, and so we were to memorize Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Are you ready to recite it together? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall make your paths straight. Did I say it right? He shall direct your paths. I got half King James. I've got half NIV in there. So, well, that was embarrassing. Anyway, isn't it true that many times in our lives we need direction? We don't know what to do. We're faced with the circumstance. We're faced with the decision. And we need to know which way to go. We face many decisions, and we want to know God's will for our lives. And So we we deal with things like, should we take that job and move to that city, or should we marry that person or break it off? Should we have that surgery or get a second opinion? Should we buy that car or sell our home? All these are questions and decisions that are important that we need to make. And so there's life-changing decisions we are faced with at different times. And if we do not include God in those decisions, how many know it is arrogance on our part? My first point this morning is this. It is prideful to make plans without God. We are not the masters of our own destinies. Especially we as Christians, we have given up our futures to the Lord. And we are to submit our lives to His will. And so as a believer in Jesus Christ, you have relinquished control. And that's hard to do because we say, oh, God, all I want is your will until he starts doing something we don't like. And then we're like, are you sure this is your will, God? I know I said I want your will, but I don't want this. And so we need to be sincere in our hearts that we've got to stop trying to control the outcome and control people because only God knows. Only God knows. And so James chapter 4 verse 13 warns us about this. James says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. How about that? You're a vapor. You're just a mist. You're here today, gone tomorrow. And so verse 15 says, instead... You ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag, and all such boasting is evil. Wow, that's heavy, isn't it? 
How many, how many times, think about it just throughout the day, how many times have you stopped and asked God for his will and his direction in your life? There are many times we just go throughout our day, we're making decisions. It's one of the things that I deal with as a pastor a lot. I constantly have to make decisions. And what it's, sometimes it's, we're in the middle of it and we think we've got enough wisdom in ourselves and we just go ahead and make the decision. Trust me, great or small, if you're facing a decision, you need God to be the center of it. You need to invite him into your world and into your life and into your choices. Because if we think we can do it on our own, it's arrogance. It's boasting. And it's not only that, it's evil. Isn't that amazing? See, God has, wants us to be dependent upon him. And for the big and little decisions of your life, you need to seek him. You need to pray to him. You need to stop what's going on in your life and seek the Lord. Because the last thing we want to do is be out of the will of God. And so how do we find God's will? Sometimes that's a difficulty. We want to do God's will, but we just don't know what it is. If you've ever been in a place like that, you have to make a decision, but you don't know what decision to make. And so God's word is so great. God's word shows us how we can know the will of God, how we can learn the will of God. And so before our path and way becomes clear... There are three key steps to find the will of God for any given decision. And as we have studied, the first step is to trust in the Lord with all your heart. I spent a couple Sundays on that because I think we really, we know this, but we find ourselves not trusting the Lord with all of our heart, maybe a part of our heart or halfway there, but we're to trust God with all of our heart. If you want the will of God in your life, the first thing you have to do is trust him. You have to trust him. And then I'm not to put my trust in man or money or might or even in myself. We are to trust only in the Lord. And so let's review what that means. Just briefly, review what it means to trust in the Lord with all our hearts. From the UBS Old Testament handbook, it says this. Trust with God as the goal or object means to regard him as the source of wisdom and power in all things, and therefore worthy of your entire confidence. Now, I love this. The act of trusting is sometimes expressed figuratively as putting your heart in the hands of or laying your liver on someone. Isn't that hilarious? I mean, when you dig into the Hebrew, that's, that's the picture that, that, that it is, explains. And a lot of times we don't understand the Eastern thinking, because when we talk about love you with all our heart in, in the Hebrew, it's more like love you with all my spleen, because they really believe that the emotional area was, you know, in here. And so the next time you say to someone, I'm trusting you, instead say, I am laying my liver on you. <laughs> I think we'll be hearing that from time to time now. Hey, I'm laying my liver on you. I'm just telling you, you know. In summary... Trust means to run to God for refuge, to be confident and secure in his love, and to surrender all to his will. That's what, tr that when you boil it all down, that's what trust is. It's to hie to God, H-I-E, to run to God for security. And it means that we are to be secure and confident in his love. You, you got to know that God loves you. That's what trust is all about. The reason we trust God is because he loves us. And he's completely trustworthy as we sing it. 
He has never failed us. God is good. All the time and all the time God is good. And so I want to focus on that last portion of what trust means to surrender. Surrender is a key component of learning to trust the Lord. It does not mean quitting or giving up hope. It certainly doesn't mean surrender to the devil or to this world. But surrender is submitting and yielding to the Holy Spirit in your life. That's what surrender is. When I, part of trust, because there are times in our lives we will come up against that wall and we won't know what to do and, and we will try to fight over it and climb under it and try, do everything in our own strength. But what we really need to do in that moment is surrender. Surrender to God, surrender to His will. Surrender is waiting and depending upon God and not yourself. This is the difference when we become believers in Jesus Christ. We no longer, our life does not revolve around us. It revolves around God, God in our life. And it involves surrendering to his leadership and his guidance. So surrender is falling backward into the arms of God. Just get that picture of of falling backward into the arms of God. Do you remember those old commercials for Nest Tea, Ice Tea? They would show someone miserably hot and sweaty taking a long draw of cold, refreshing Nest Tea, Ice Tea. And after the person emptied the glass, they would let out this contented sigh. And then they would stretch out their arms wide and fall backward into a swimming pool of water and submerge in slow motion with a big splash. They called it what? The Nesty Plunge. Some of you are old enough to remember those commercials. And so it was very popular. You drink that idea and oh, stretch out your arms and fall into a swimming pool water just cascading over you. As a kid, we would imitate that commercial and fall backward into the swimming pool with arms outstretched and make a big splash, just like in the commercial. Well, one day, one day, Dun, dun, dun. You know me. I decided to up the ante and raise the stakes just a little bit. Yes, exactly. I decided to do the nesty plunge from the high dive. Now, my brother taught me to dive. I love diving all, ever since I can remember. And I, so I thought, you know what? I'm going to try this on the high dive. And so my, I... I got, I faced backward on the board and all my friends are cheering me on. I mean, it was, it was glorious. <laughs> and then I fell backward like it was in slow motion. And it was awesome until my back connected with the water. And there was this loud slap and I didn't even sink. It was like slap and just kind of stayed on the surface of the water. And I'm floating there for just a fraction of a second and then the pain finally registered with my small brain. And I did not let out a contented sigh, more like a primal scream. Needless to say, I think that was my last nesty plunge of my life. Trusting God is like taking the nesty plunge in life. You see, we fall back with arms stretched wide. But instead of smacking the water, he catches us. That's what trust is like. That's what surrender is like, is to fall back on God's word, to fall back on God's love. 
You see, we, instead of surrendering, we often want to fight. However, when we surrender to God, God fights our battles. The battle belongs to the Lord, and, and trusting and surrendering is giving up control and letting God do what he wants to do in our life. It means whatever the Lord gives, whether blessing or discipline, that we embrace it. We embrace God. We embrace the will of God. The second step to finding direction, to knowing the will of God, is the title of our message, Lean Not on Your Own Understanding. We may all feel like we have trusted God at times in our life, and yet things did not turn out like what we thought we had faith for. There was a time when I took a step of faith and it felt like I had ended up leaping off a cliff. You see, I really thought I had faith. I, ha I had the trust. I believed I was trusting God with all my heart. But when it didn't work out, I tried to figure it out on my own. I, I had the trust. But what I wanted was the understanding of why it didn't work out like I expected. I, mean, I trusted God. And so when it didn't go exactly according to my plans, even though I said, I want your will, I began to struggle and I wanted to understand why didn't it work out? Why did this happen, God? Why do you bless everyone else and not me? Why did I take a step of faith and then it, it totally destroyed me? The reason so many of us struggle trusting God is because we lean on our own understanding. We, we know we're to trust the Lord with all our heart, but we have this nagging thing that follows us, and that is leaning on our own understanding. We want to figure it out. It's got to make sense to us. But how many of you know it will not make sense to us because God is almighty and he's far more knowledgeable than we are? And to find direction in our lives and to come to know the will of God, we must trust the Lord and lean not on our own understanding. It requires both. And sometimes we are trusting the Lord, but back here is still trying to find that to, something to lean on. If you're going to fall back into God's arms, you don't need to lean on anything else but God. But the problem is, is we begin to lean on other things instead of the Lord. And the Bible says in the last days, there will be a shaking and everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And so all the things we lean on, all these supports we have beside God are, are going to fall down. And it'll teach us that the only thing that will stand is God and his word. Nothing will stand in this world. There's no such thing as job security, financial security. There's no such thing. But there is God's security. That no matter what happens in our life, in our finances, our career, whatever it may be, in our health, in our family, we can still trust God. But we've got to stop taking that next step and start trying to lean on our own understanding. It's so automatic. We want to understand it. We want to figure it out. We want to control it. We want to make it happen. You know, sometimes I've, I've often said, do you want to be happy or do you want the things you think will make you happy? Because they're often not the same thing. We've been conditioned by this world that certain things will make us happy. And then when they don't dissatisfy, they raise the ante even more, raise the bar even more. So we need to know that if we're going to trust the Lord, you've got to be aware, are you leaning on anything else besides God? Are you trying to think this through? 
So what does it mean to not lean on our own understanding? Well, the word lean in the Hebrew is sha'an. And it means to support oneself, to rely on, to rest. Those three things. To support oneself. Notice it's to support oneself. It's, it's self-centered. It's self-focused. To rely on ourselves and to rest. Now, let's, let's find verses. What I, what I like to do in a word study is we look up the Hebrew word and then we find other scriptures where that same word is used in the Hebrew. And that gives us a fuller understanding because context matters. And so a word, even in the English language, a word can mean something different in, depending on the context. And so those three areas, to support oneself, to rely on, and to rest. Let's look up three scriptures that fulfill those definitions. First of all, there's an example of Sha'an translated to support oneself. Look at 2 Samuel 1.6 in the basic Bible edition. And the young man said, I came by chance to Mount Gilboa, and I saw Saul supporting himself on his spear. That, that phrase, supporting himself, same Hebrew word, Sha'an. And the war carriages and horsemen overtook him. So what was going on is Saul was coming to the end of his reign and the end of his life. And he was in a battle. And the battle turned against him and he was mortally wounded. And so he was about to die. And the only thing that was holding him up was his spear. Which really figured into who Saul was. What kind of person he was. He always tried to lean on himself. He did not lean on the spirit. He did not lean on God. He even consulted a witch to find out the will of God. I do not recommend that path in trying to find the will of God, to go see a witch or to read the tea leaves or whatever it may be. How many know it's the word, not those things of this world? We are, to, we are to seek his word, but Saul wasn't a man like that. It's amazing. He was head and shoulders above everyone, and he looked like a king. Oh, man, did he have the look of a king. And everybody thought, how impressive is our king? And yet, for being such a big, handsome man, he was incredibly insecure. And David became his nemesis, and he hunted him for many, many years. And so because of Saul's disobedience, remember Samuel said, to obey is better than sacrifice. And he tore Samuel's robe, and Samuel said, just as you tore my robe, the kingdom has been torn from you and given to another. And so Saul went down the path of leaning on himself. He even threw that spear at David a couple times. He thought the spear, the battle, would keep him going. That's what supported him. And in the end, how many know that's what failed him? He was finally killed. And as he was dying, he was seen leaning on that spear to hold himself upright for the last time. When we are in a spiritual battle, we cannot support ourselves. This is a spiritual battle, this is not a physical battle. And we cannot support ourselves with the weapons of this world. Saul was using that spear. And there are other weapons of this world that we try to use so that we can find support in our lives. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 in the New Living Translation. We are human. But we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons. 
not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of what? Human reasoning, understanding, and to destroy false arguments. We have to use spiritual warfare to strike down our limited understanding, our human reasoning. We depend so much on our intellect. We depend so much on our education and our knowledge. But these things are spiritual, and they, they are spiritually discerned, not intellectually discerned. And I'm not against education. I'm almost finished with my master's. I believe in education. I believe in, in intellect, but we don't trust in them. We trust in God. Notice that we are to knock down strongholds of human reasoning and understanding because world, worldly reasoning is not enough. We need to know biblical reasoning. Number two, we cannot support ourselves with our own understanding. This is so important to understand. Or the world's reasoning or the understanding of other people. Dr. Wearsby says, the danger, of course, is that we lean on our own understanding and thereby miss God's will. If we lean on our own understanding, here's the irony, we may actually miss the will of God for our life. Because we're trying to figure it out ourselves. We're trying to do it in our own understanding. This warning doesn't suggest that God's children turn off their brains. That sounds real tempting sometimes, doesn't it? You know, if you ever find the switch, let me know. Because I'll sleep better at night if I can turn off my brain. We all would, amen. Uh, That's your assignment for next week. Find the switch and tell me how. We're not to, yes, amen, faith. We're not to turn off our brains or ignore their intelligence and common sense. It simply cautions us not to depend on our own wisdom and experience or the wisdom and experience of others. I have found for years of counseling, realizing that one person's experience does not always translate to someone else's. There are different elements. There are different personalities. There are different people. And so... We need God's wisdom. We need God's understanding. Now, the second definition of understanding is to rely. And so here is a scripture where Sha'an is translated as to rely. Isaiah 31, 1. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help, who rely on horses, who trust in the multitude of their chariots, And in the great strength of their horsemen. But do not look to the Holy One of Israel or seek help from the Lord. Woe to those who rely on chariots and horses. Remember we talked a few weeks ago that we are not to trust in Egypt. It's always the temptation of going back. That's what Egypt represents. Going back to the world. Going back to the past. And so we're not to rely on Egypt. We're not to rely on war horses We are to seek help from the Lord. We are not to rely on our own understanding, number three. And so we see these two things, that we are not to support ourselves with the things of this world, that we're only to support ourselves with God, and that we're not to rely on the might of this world, but we're to rely on God's might, God's power, instead to rely on him. At this time, we're going to partake of communion, and I'll finish this message next Sunday. And the Bible says 
that before we take communion, we're to examine our hearts. And I would just like you to focus on this type of examination today. Ask the Lord, God, am I leaning on something besides you? Am I leaning on my bank account? Am I leaning on my intellect? Am I... Am I relying on my good looks? Bless God. But seriously, ask the Lord, God, because as we heard the prophetic messages today, Jesus is coming soon. And so are we ready? If we're leaning on things of this world, we're, we're not ready. And so let's ask the Lord, show us, Lord, in our hearts. Are we depending on someone beside you or something beside you? Are we trying to support ourselves instead of leaning on the Lord for our salvation and for our deliverance? So we have a very special song. And while this song is being sung, I would encourage you to just let the Lord examine your heart. Let the Holy Spirit speak. Is there anything in your heart that you're, that you're support, trying to get support from or relying upon? Let's pray. As I look back on this road I've traveled, I see so many times he's carried me through. If there's one thing that I've learned in my life, my Redeemer is faithful. As I read the promises, there is a place that I'm preparing for you. I know someday I'll see my Lord's face to face. My Redeemer is faithful and true. My Redeemer is faithful and true. Everything He has said He will do. Every morning His mercies are new. My Redeemer is faithful and true. has proved his love for me 
Thank you, ladies. That was beautiful. Thank you. Are you sensing a theme that God is speaking through this whole service today? He will not fail us. He is faithful and true. Our Redeemer is faithful and true. We're going to take the bread and pray over it. If you would join with me. Dear Jesus, thank you that you are the bread of life. You give us earthly life and eternal life. And your body was broken like, like bread. It was a sacrifice, a final sacrifice. And you gave all, Jesus. And so we, we just pray that you would help us give all of ourselves back to you. Lord, is there anything we lean on beside you, we rely on beside you? Because you're faithful and true. You will not fail us. Show us those things, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you take the bread? Now let's pray over the cup. Lord Jesus, your blood is what was shed on the cross for our sins. And because you bled and died, we can find forgiveness of our sins. You are so good to us, Lord. And this also reminds us that you are coming again. We're to do this until you come. And so we say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And when the shaking takes place, I pray we will be standing on the rock of God. We will not be shaken by the things of this world, by the things going on in the world, by wars and rumors of war, by famine and pestilence. We will not be shaken because we stand on the rock of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we look forward to the day when you'll tell your son, go get him, bring him home. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you take the juice? Would you stand with me? Again, we encourage you to keep our conversations to the foyer because people want to remain in worship. The elders and board members are here to pray with you. And if you would like to kneel in the altars on your own, the altars are always open or even where you're seated. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you 
You've been listening to Bakersfield First Assembly's weekly broadcast. BFA is located on the corner of California and Marilla Way. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. in person and online on Facebook and YouTube. For more information, check out our website, bakersfieldfirst.com, or download our app from the App Store. 